with the program that we hosted last year, 89.8% of the children that we, that we met with use cannabis. 52.2% of those are multiple, are used multiple times daily. 69.5% have expressed anxiety and depression, and 76.3% have an immediate family member that struggles with substance use. item on the agenda is presentations and discussion. Very much have a discussion this evening. We have uh, Jen Knight Levine from the Safe Coalition. Jen, please come forward. Jamie, would you like to do a lead-in? Sure. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I, I, there is no lead-in. I, I when, that, when that smile comes in the room, it lights up the whole council chambers. I, I do want to note, and I'll speak to this in a moment, uh, Mr. Chairman, about um, the the Safe Coalition's efforts relative to migrant housing issues. So yeah. we'll let Jen go first, and then I'm going to do um, a little discussion of Jen's efforts, uh, which are just above and beyond anything that the Safe Coalition was destined to do. Uh, we'll talk about that during the TA report. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Jen, welcome. Hello, everybody. Great to be back. Great to see you. Thank you for the warm welcome. So I'm so excited to be back here and share a little bit about what the Safe Coalition has done since the last time I was here. So during the last presentation, one of the questions during discussion was, I think from, from Chandler, what can we do? How can we help you? And you all came together, and Jamie really spearheaded funding resources. And that has changed the landscape of the Safe Coalition. Your decision to provide funding to the folks in this community has allowed countless individuals, children, and families to get resources that they never would have had otherwise. And that has also allowed our organization to grow and develop and to apply for other grants that would have not ever been an option for us. So the Safe Coalition, the last time I spoke, we were in Norfolk, and we really wanted to get back to Franklin. We were born here, we were kind of raised here, and we wanted to get back to kind of our roots. And in March, we were able to open up our 5,000 square foot space back in Franklin and at the mills, and it's been outstanding. We have kids who are riding their bikes and walking from school and coming to after school programming. And those are things that never would have been possible in Norfolk. So I think the last time I spoke, I, I talked a little bit about our programming and all of our programming has become a lot more succinct since the last time I was here. So we have three specific divisions of support, adolescent wellness, family recovery, and collaborative care. In adolescent wellness, it's really the work that we do with the schools and with our teen population. We have a diversion program. So in lieu of a suspension, students are able to come to the SAFE program and receive three days of social emotional wellness support and return back to school on the fourth day and a suspension is absolved off the record. So if a child is caught at school or at a game or on a trip with any kind of substance, the expectation before was that they had to spend 10 days out of school. And I think we all can agree that that's not really gonna serve the best needs of the student. And it was going to increase the substance use concerns and social risks. And so now we have this amazing program where kids can come back to SAFE, really get the support, connect their substance use with their mental health concerns, and their families can also get resources. 
From that program that we run during the day, we have a variety of after-school programs for kids. We have mentorship programs, peer-to-peer -peer programs. Peer-to-peer -peer is where middle schoolers and high schoolers who are now sober, yes, you heard me correctly, are mentoring middle schoolers and high schoolers who are not sober but want to be through a facilitated program with one of our staff. We have volunteer opportunities and intern opportunities, and that kind of leads to family support. We have a wonderful family support center that all of you know, the other co-founder, Jim Derrick, has, has really launched. And this is a space for family members to come together. We have an adult sibling support group, grandparents raising grandchildren, dual recovery anonymous, a 12-step for parents around codependency, and we also partner with Learn to Cope. And collaborative care. We know that none of the work that we do at SAFE is without the unbelievable partnerships that we have, whether it's with school or police or fire, faith-based communities, hospitals, the sheriff's department, the DA's office, all of these partnerships allow us to do the work that we need to do and also allows us to help connect the folks that walk through our door with services if we can't provide them. Currently, we are connected with three court systems, um, Milford, Rentham, and Uxbridge District Courts. We do a lot of Section 35 work there. We also have <coughs> domestic violence concerns. And really, we want to be able to make sure that we meet the needs of the community. So one of the things that popped up during COVID were, were diapers. And so we created a, a diaper bank. Another need that's popped up as we've been working a lot more with grandparents has been car seats. So we have a grandma Toyota and we have 97 car seats that we are almost out of. We have been providing Narcan to the community at $95 a pop, and now we are the only nonprofit in this area of Massachusetts that holds the controlled substance license that allows us to order, train, and dispense at zero cost. In the last month and a half, we've given up 2,000 doses of Narcan to our community at zero cost. It has been an unbelievable couple of years, <laughs> but you all, have decided that this is how you want your community to be. You want the families and the children in this community to have access to mental health resources, to have access to substance use resources, to have after school programs and evening programs for families because you believe in the wellness of the whole family. And it is with, without you and Jamie, we never could be in this place where I'm here sharing all these numbers and stats and really great stories. So I wanna share a little bit about the folks that we see at the diversion program. So we have a program called Up in Smoke. It's a substance use diversion program. I just talked a little bit about it. And I want to share some statistics. So with the program that we hosted last year, 89.8% of the children that we, with, that we met with use cannabis. 52.2% of those are multiple or use multiple times daily. 69.5% have expressed anxiety and depression, and 76.3 have an immediate family member that struggles with substance use. Those are pretty incredible numbers. So the work here, as wonderful and as amazing and as, as exciting as it is, is not even close to done. And we have unbelievable relationships with the Franklin Public Schools, and that has also made all the difference. The Franklin Public Schools were the first ones to say yes, we want to change our handbook. Yes, we want to send kids to your program. What do you do for after-school programs? What more information can we give to families? Can you come into IEP and 504 meetings? How can we do this well? 
and that has been a game changer. Instead of kids now possibly getting suspended, we're able to meet with children before they get to that place where they need disciplinary action and getting them resources months before they have something on their record. I just wanna share a few more statistics about the overall program that we've done in Franklin. This is all Franklin specific. We've held 48 direct grief support meetings with Franklin residents. We have supported 26 teens in getting significantly higher levels of care and support. That might mean a dual diagnosis program, it may mean hospitalization. We have held 45 peer-to-peer -peer programs. So again, peers who are sober are supporting peers who would like to be sober. We've held 24 grandparent raising grandchildren groups at the YMCA. The YMCA has been an unbelievable partner. While grandparents are getting support upstairs, their grandchildren are being washed free of charge by the staff at the Y. The YMCA also has provided unlimited support to anyone that we refer there. So any family that comes through SAFE that needs a scholarship, the Y says yes. We have had 240 direct referrals from other partners in Franklin. That could be the food pantry, police or fire, the schools. We have done 202 hours of community education. We've had 126 hours supported by our licensed independent social worker to Franklin residents. We have <laughs> calculated 612 hours of working with the police and fire department in Franklin. We have had 23 grief and counselor meetings with residents of Franklin. 100% of the grandparents of Franklin that we support are fostering a grandchild in Franklin. And 95% of the Franklin families that we work with say that cannabis has negatively impacted how their family functions. We have also had 221 hours of collaborative meetings with other Franklin nonprofits or civic organizations. We love being here. We are dedicated to being here. We are so excited that all of these hours and all of these meetings have happened within the town of Franklin. And we are so thankful for all of the support that you have given us, all the support, all the guidance, all the text messages that Jamie has had to answer from me, all the emails. And that has kind of led to this place, and I know that Jamie's gonna talk about this in a little bit of where we are right now. So the mission of SAFE has always been to listen to the needs of the community and develop up resources from there. And while SAFE started as a substance use and mental health organization, kind of the background of the majority of us at SAFE professionally has been in working on the border, <coughs> working with migrant populations. And so when kind of we found out that there were new folks coming to our community, one of our first calls was to Jamie to say, it's really early. I'm sure no one knows exactly what's going on, but we are here to help. And it has been unbelievable. We have staff who are multilingual, who have been at the hotel. We are on a weekly call with, with Jamie and some other folks in the community every week. Um, but really what we've been doing is going door to door, meeting with the family, assessing needs, whether that be emotional, spirit, spiritual, clothing, school needs, whatever those needs are, and then trying to meet those needs the best ways that we can. We were at the hotel for a few hours yesterday working with the new families, and I just want to share one of the stories. Um, you know, it's easy to get connected to our politics. It's easy to stay glued to our TV. It can be really challenging to move away from headlines and stats and see the folks and the people and the children that we are supporting. 
So yesterday I walked into the hotel and our staff were there and I was looking for them and I, I see her just in the doorway and she's talking with the family and they're speaking Spanish and I can speak a little bit of Spanish and so I'm listening and we asked them to share their story. And they have traveled from very far and explained kind of what their situation was like. And we asked them, you know, what were the best parts of the trip? What were the hardest parts of the trip? And they explained that it's a husband and a wife and a four-year-old little girl. And while they were traveling through Mexico, through the mud and the trees and the bugs, with little to no water and absolutely no food, that more frequently they were encouraged to separate from their daughter that on more than one occasion, there was an opportunity for their child to be abducted. That at one point in Northern Mexico, they physically taped their child to their body because there was such a desire to separate the children and the parents. This four-year-old little girl who now is in Franklin was separated from her parents for 12 hours and was placed on a train while her parents were using the restroom. Once they were reunited in Juarez and made the border crossing and came to the United States, they turned themselves in to seek asylum because they had nothing, but they had gotten here. Their story within the US and how they made it to Franklin, Massachusetts is also unbelievable and incredible. But you see this little sweet pumpkin angel who's playing with toys that she has created in the hotel with utensils and cups, with limited to no clothes, limited to no food. And the father is saying, that the best thing that could happen is that they are here in Franklin. The most unbelievable thing, whether they are hungry, is that they have a roof over their head and they know that they are safe and all he wants to do is work. The mother is begging to figure out how she can learn English and how her daughter can be in some kind of schooling. This was not the conversation that I expected to walk into yesterday afternoon, I promise you, but it was a conversation that was placed upon me. And so I guess what I'm hoping is that as we move through all of these incredibly challenging, heavy, big things, that we don't lose the humanity that is within all of us. We are all proud to live here. We are all happy to live here. We are also really proud of our own ancestry. I am Irish and I will share that with you any moment of any day. We know that we are excited about our heritage and I hope that we all can find ourselves in a place where we can honor those who are here in a dignified and respectful way, even though there are unbelievable challenges ahead of us. And I'm so thankful to live in this town. I am so thankful with Jamie's leadership. I am so thankful for Kathleen Liberty. So thankful for the Interfaith Council. Because even though this is heavy and big and challenging, it is not beyond any of us to figure this out. So thank you for letting me speak. Thank you for letting me share. I am open to any conversation or questions. Um, Thank you for having me again. Jen, all of it is just incredible and mind-boggling what the Safe Coalition has been able to do in such a short period of time. When you think about it from its inception to now. Uh, I'll go to the counselors. Councilor DeLorco. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Obviously, uh, being a co-founder of the Safe Coalition, um, to see it grow the way it has grown, it's just, it, it, it's beyond what I thought. Being on that porch the first night, we had that first meeting, not 
We didn't even know how to section somebody. Well, Jen knew, but I didn't know, and Jeff, Roy didn't know how to section somebody, um, section 35 somebody, and, and it's just, when I got involved, I got on because of the drug issue, Jen and Jim and the rest of, and I gotta praise everybody else on the board, they brought it to another level, um, you know, with the you know mental health and the and the, the grandparents and stuff like that. I never thought it was going to go as far as it did, but with the great group of people we had, Jim and Jen and the rest of the board people that came on board, the people from the, the courts that came in, set everything up. It it was really it was really amazing to see it all come together, and it and it. It's just going to keep growing. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, it it's just it, it, it breaks my heart when I just see. It. I mean, it doesn't break it, but it fills my heart when I see how far it's gone. And you walk into a room. We didn't even have a room. This time. We, I didn't. Yeah. We were lucky we met in a car. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's what we did. You know. And uh, you know. And Jim Derrick's story. And, and the, yeah. You know, Jim has come so far and has done so much and as smart as he is and he lost his son to the to the addiction and the way he has turned his life around and I, I talked to Jim about it and if we didn't have safe I think Jim would be in a very bad place right now because it's really helping him recover and uh, so I can't say enough about it it's just Tremendous what you guys have done and all of us have done. Um, I mean, people donate now, like left and right. Like it's like it's like they, they come and they meet once and they throw, you know, they're giving us money and it's it's crazy. I just never thought it was going to be like that. I really never did. I didn't even think we were going to be around in five years. To be honest with you. No, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You I were there. It. Yeah, I was there. I got it. I put you. You know how many times yes. you were like. Looking at the books, going, "Oh my God, what are we gonna do?" And, and uh, but uh, I just, I'm just so happy and so proud of everybody. It's, uh, that's all I can say. Thank you, and thank you for everything, Bob. We wouldn't be here without you either. <laughs> Takes you. a village. <laughs> thank you, Councilor Delaco. Councilor, call me a ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So nice to see you again, my friend. And thank you for everything that you do. And truly, your kind words tonight around the migrant issue, you put um, a beautiful human spin to a negative story. Um, I think what people miss in all of this, Jen, is that you were doing preventative work. You were trying to do so much so that people don't end up in a desperate position, in a uh, incarceration or in uh, suicide or in something else and I I applaud you and your whole team for that because that approach is saving lives that uh, the programs for grandparents the programs for LGBT youth that you, you know that we've talked about mm -hmm. the you know all of the all of the wonderful things that you're trying to think of that are like okay what can we do so that we don't have a problem coming here instead of just being reactionary and I, I just can't say thank you enough. Um, I'm sorry for any negativity that your organization gets from out there. I hope you don't give that a lot of credence and just let that go, right? Those people don't know what they're talking about. You and your team do wonderful work. 
You're valuable to Franklin. We're lucky to have you. And please continue to let us know how we can help. Thank you so much. Thank you, Councilor Coleman Ledger. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Hey, Jen. Hi. I think what you were thinking what I said was that I wanted to give you money. <laughs> That's what I did. You know, and I think if all nine of us get elected, I think we, you will definitely continue to be funded. I don't think anyone's going to shake their head about that. So, yeah, so because the bottom line is, I, I know Bobby said so much, I will never say all the rest of that, but everybody can relate to something that you're doing. It's not just drugs and alcohol. It could be, like you said, with the Pampers, food problems, anything. So, I, I like you said, as soon as someone sees what you're doing, I think they're right on board. Yeah. Thank so, that's good. And, the only thing I'm kind of sad about a little bit is, um, like this, we approve a lot of like marijuana stuff in this town, and I, and I, I'm guilty because I prostitute myself out in that business too. And um, I just, and I wish I didn't have to, but I, um, I just, what do you think about like they want to put like marijuana bars in now and stuff? I mean. Do you think things are just going too far? That's a really great question. I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's okay. No, I mean this is this is why I'm here, right? I think um, I think that children are always watching adults, mm -hmm. and so how do we spend our time, and how do we have really thoughtful conversations with children about the activities that we participate in? We can't change the law in Massachusetts that this was legalized, right? But that means that we have to elevate and extend the styles of conversations that we have with our kids about what's safe and what is more safe for an adult than for a child. And so this is where we are. And we have really wonderful, healthy relationships with the cannabis industries in town. And that's intentional. We want to be able to share resources and know what products are coming out so that we can have conversations with kids and families. And so. I don't know, I don't think that we can go backward, but I think the best way to move forward is to have really thoughtful conversations about what cannabis is now and what it looks like in our community. We know with, without a question that cannabis impacts the, de the developing brain of a child. Mm -hmm. And so how do we talk with children early on, just like we do with cigarette use, to make something like using cannabis disgusting as you're growing up? because that was kind of the aim of, of nicotine in the 90s, right? Um, we know that children in kindergarten most likely aren't smoking cigarettes, but the education around nicotine and tobacco starts in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So how do we start doing that much earlier on than we are right now? I think the other really important piece is we meet with a lot of parents who do use cannabis recreationally, and they say, I was using cannabis at my child's age, and I'm doing fine. And what we really try to highlight is that the frequency and the potency has changed significantly over the last 20 to 50 years. And the way that children are purchasing cannabis has changed dramatically. Any of the kids that we work with have to buy from a dealer because they're under 21. And that dealer now has access to every substance because anyone who's over 21 is most likely going to a dealer. I mean, I'm sorry, going to uh, a dispensary. And so our children have access to a higher potency substance. The way that they can utilize it is much more frequent. And 
the way that they're purchasing is through a drug dealer that is selling more than just cannabis. And so the safety concerns, the environmental concerns are all part of the conversations that we're having now. So I, I think, I guess those are my thoughts, that as, as the cannabis industry develops, our thought process and our conversation with our youth have to as well. Thank you. Yeah. And lastly, Mr. Chambers, I think we're all honored to be in your corner. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Any other councilors? Councilor Jones? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Jen, listen, you are a remarkable individual, and I, I want to, there's so many nice things I can say about you and Derek and the organization, but before I do that, I want to say, I think it was on everyone's mind, you are a remarkable speaker. <laughs> Thank right? you. As a teacher and as a person who works hard to try to give lessons to people without saying the word, um, I never hear you say that word. And just everything rattles off the top of your head, which, which tells me that you have such a deep understanding and knowledge of all of this. And, and that is remarkable to me. And I, I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate all of the individuals who work with the Safe Coalition and, and Jim and Bob and Jeff and everyone who came together to make this organization an organization what it is. Um, kind of touching base on what um, my fellow council stated about your statements towards the migrants who come to Franklin um, and haven't really given it some, some, some facts, and some truth, and some real humanity behind everything. Um, one of the things I learned about the people over at the migrants is that almost 50% of them are Haitians. And myself personally, having had experience working with many Haitian people, it's, it's sad that their country has become what it has, it's almost impossible for me to go back because right. it's so unsafe. Yeah. Um, but these are individuals who are fleeing such a hardship like the people from Mexico, where if, if, if it's, for all intents and purposes, it's their only choice because their other choice is death. Yes. And, and, that's, and, that's, and, and that's just, that's the reality and the humanity of it all. Um, so how anybody could ever speak ill or mm -hmm. speak poorly about these people, in, in, in a sense, they're almost not even probably looking back on their own ancestry right. and realizing that they're here for probably the same reasons. You know, my, my ancestors are Scottish. You know, the Irish had a Dickens of a time trying to get jobs in the city of Boston. And, and the Scottish were persecuted in lack of food too. And they fled Scotland, went to Nova Scotia, came and ended up in New England. We all have those stories. And why shouldn't we be giving those people down at the, at the hotel that same opportunity to become Americans, join the dream, and and, and, and help make a life in reality for themselves? I, I completely agree with you, Chad. Um, I'm sorry I'm going on a tangent, but it, it, gets, it gets to me, too. Thank you. Thank you. Councilor Jones, Councilor Hamlin. Hi, Jack. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I could go on and on what everyone else has said already, um, I think, but Franklin is lucky that you're here and that SAFE has grown because you have this ability to see what, needs to, what people need and to actually make it happen, and that's really unusual. So we don't want you to go anywhere because you're right, we want our people and our community and other communities to be taken well care of and we need you to help us to do that. Okay, so you've got to promise us you're not going to go. I promise I'm not going anywhere. 
I promise. I promise. I'm sure my husband's watching. He would agree. There's like exactly. There's a you know I don't know the the office. I think that you're in Franklin now. I was there before everything was finished, and we were in. You let me come in and. Um, you know, the, Jen does so many things, but I, the other day, I just have to share this, like I texted her and I said, hey, is there gonna be a Narcan training around? Like, can I go to one soon? And she's like, well, what are you doing Friday? What are you doing tomorrow morning? And I'm like, well, I could come in at nine o'clock. And I, fi I thought there'd be other people there and stuff, but no, it's Jen. And she's like, I'll come in early. And she, you know, just donates so much of herself to, um, to get this stuff done. And um, I, we are, Eternally grateful, I guess, and uh, we're lucky. So thank you, Jen. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chen. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Sherrill. Hey. Hey. I too like to thank you for everything and uh, everything that everybody said. And I, I'm Irish too. No, really? I don't know I saw a picture on Facebook of a crowd of immigrant ship coming into Ellis Island. And they said this is this was my grandparents' caravan. Yeah. 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 Truly. Truly. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Councillor Sheridan. Oh, oh yeah. Councillor Frangillo. Yeah, I would just echo uh, the gratitude. Um, my only addition would be uh, I'm glad that uh, this body is, is committed to continue funding. If, if anyone else is listening. Um, so this is uh, this work is, is is not free. Um, so if you have it uh, within yourself to contribute, um, they do fantastic work and and um, meet every need uh, as it arises. Uh, and, and we're so lucky to have them. Um, uh, you know, find it within yourselves and, and, and others to uh, help them do the great work that they do in the community. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Um, Closing, I think uh, the numbers that you alluded to early on in your presentation are mind-boggling to me. Uh, and I think about how fortunately, how fortunate Franklin is to have safe in our community. Not just dealing with the addiction pieces, but looking at the current migrant issue, these other towns don't have a safe helping. We're so fortunate. And I said it when you first came up. When you come into a room, you light up the room. And uh, your, your energy and your passion for what you do is just incredible. And we can't thank you and safe enough for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve, 
at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.